Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today is Wednesday, October 11th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, the National Association of Realtors has announced a change in how it interprets its participation rule, which requires listing brokers to provide buyer brokers an offer of compensation in order to list on the multiple listing service. Now, while NAR has stated previously that the offer of compensation could be as little as a penny or a dollar, in a reversal of its stance, NAR is now saying that listing brokers can offer nothing and still comply with the rule. Now, this change comes as NAR prepares for the three-week trial of the Sitzer Burnett class action by a broker commission lawsuit, which starts on October 16th. So, Chase, what are your thoughts around this? Well, Bruce, it seems to me that they're trying to make some what would appear to be very, very small, minor changes, right? We're talking about going from one penny to zero, (laughs) and yet trying to, in my estimation, show that this whole lawsuit is kind of a whole nothing burger, right? We're moving it down from a penny to zero to be in compliance just to illustrate the fact that this is not harming consumers, right? That was what was required before. Now it's such a slight difference. It's almost laughable. And yet it makes sense for an organization like NAR, who's under scrutiny because of this lawsuit, to start lining up every little domino that they can to kind of show that, hey, This is not meant to harm the consumer. This is actually supportive of the consumer. And so if this small minor change helps illustrate that, then two thumbs up, I suppose. But it's funny to me, Bruce, that it's such big news when it's a penny difference. Well, and in this lawsuit, you know, according to the plaintiffs, commission sharing inflates the costs for consumers, which is in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act, whereas NAR contends that the current commission structure which has been in place for over 100 years, actually helps consumers. So as you think both sides of this argument, where do you fall on that? Well, Bruce, I think that the percentage of home buyers and sellers that use the services of a professional real estate agent is as high as it's ever been. And that's typically an indication of the value that they're getting from these professionals. So they're choosing to use a real estate professional when they're buying or selling not because someone's forcing them to, or they have to. Consumers just don't operate like that. They don't do things that they're forced to or have to for very long. And yet they're continuing to choose a realtor for support in a transaction at you know crazy high amounts in the 90s in terms of percentages. And so I think Bruce and I've shared this before in regards to these lawsuits. I think it's just a money grab by the attorneys. Nothing more, nothing less. They're talking about some conspiracy to harm the consumer, and that couldn't be further from the truth either. Even the two companies that have settled thus far, Remax and Anywhere, they both still deny any wrongdoing. They're just settling to try to avoid wasted time and energy and potentially money on the suits. They're not saying that they did anything wrong, and I don't believe that they did. I think this whole conspiracy theory in and of itself is a little ludicrous, going from a penny to zero indicates that it might be a little ludicrous. And yet it's still out there. It's still a thing. It doesn't matter if we think it's silly or fabricated. It's a big deal. And we're talking about lots and lots and lots of money 
that is at stake here. I agree with you. You know, I don't believe that our commission sharing policy has inflated prices. I mean, we know that for sale by owners is a real option for people, right? And yet here we are in one of the hottest markets we've ever seen. And yet, as you said, more sellers are choosing to work with realtors. And of course, the challenge is, is two people cannot save the same dollar. Right. So if you think about it, why do for sale by owners sell by owners so they can avoid a commission? Oh, when a buyer comes in to buy a for sale by owner, what are they saying to themselves? Well, they're not paying a commission. I can save some money. Well, the reality is both of them can't do it. And what we know is that the system that we've had in place, again, for over a hundred years, right, is a very effective way to transact real estate. Well, not only that, Bruce, but it's been in place for 100 years. What's been generally happening to the average commission amount over those 100 years? Has it been going up or down? Well, as a percentage, it's been going down. It's been going down. So if this were some sort of rule that was causing people to pay more, then why has the average commission been going down over the years? And by the way, Bruce, a lot of why it's gone down is just the efficiency of technology right? The number of transactions that a great realtor can provide a high level of service to has gone up because of things like technology. So, you know, they're arguing that this is harming the consumer, but the facts would indicate otherwise. Again, it's going to be in court here in a few weeks. So I think there's a lot that's going to play out on this in a really short period of time. And yet, you know, a lot of the blowback that NAR is getting because, again, it's it's not because they've done anything wrong. It's because it's attached to their participation policy is a lot of these companies now are saying that they're not going to require their agents to be realtor members of NAR. You know, I don't know how that plays out for NAR long term. I know that a lot of the MLSs are association owned, so they may have to be part of NAR still. But I do like the idea of taking away some things that are mandated, right? Like we live in a world where we work with independent contractors as agents and they're business owners, and they should get to make their own decision, generally speaking, on who they're paying dues to and who they're members of rather than it being, you know, quote unquote, required. You know how much I love that word, but I don't think I'm the only one out there. So we'll, we'll see if this actually has a, a massive impact in membership or not. The terms of Anywhere's settlement were made public this last week. So along with the $83.5 million payout, Anywhere has agreed to not require company-owned brokerages, franchisees, or affiliated agents to belong to NAR, as you said, or follow the NAR Code of Ethics or MLS Handbook. The firm said it will also eliminate any minimum client commission requirements that company-owned brokerages may have. Now, additionally, Anywhere has agreed to advise and remind company-owned brokerages, franchisees, and affiliated agents that the company has no rule requiring offers of compensation. I don't know, Chase. Again, other than the money, Anywhere is not giving up anything here. They're certainly not admitting anything. The challenge here is it's easy to bash NAR. They've got some struggles, some challenges around the sexual harassment and that's people inside the organization. It doesn't necessarily make the organization bad. But I would tell you that I truly believe that NAR's code of ethics, those standards that we're held to, are really important, right, as an industry, right, so that we are deemed as being professionals. So I think that's a fascinating statement in and of itself. And again, you know, they don't require their people to be members of NAR. Right. We don't require our franchisees and our brokers 
to be members of NAR. However, in order to have access to MLSs in most of the country, you have to be. And by the way, previously, there have been numerous lawsuits over the years of independent real estate agents suing NAR over their need to be a member in order to access the MLS data. And I think ultimately things are going to change for us. Redfin announced last week that they would require their agents in areas where it was possible to cancel their NAR membership. And they were citing the recent allegations of sexual harassment, as well as the trade group's buyer broker compensation policies. And, you know, again, I think that that's a little bit of grandstanding on Redfin's part. As we mentioned last week, you know, it's a little self-serving, right, for what they're looking to do. Based in Seattle, where the Northwest MLS is not an association-owned MLS, you don't need to be a member. And in fact, about 60% of the members of Northwest MLS are not realtors. But the rest of the country, that's not going to be the case. So those Redfin agents who are in other markets won't have a choice. Yeah, sometimes in these things, Bruce, we know that the pendulum tends to swing farther back the other way in reaction to what's happening, right? So you've got to be a little careful that we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, kind of like your example of the code of ethics, which I agree is super important. All of a sudden, it's like, well, we're throwing that out. What does that have to do with this participation rule that's one penny over zero? (laughs) You know, so we'll see. The pendulum likes to swing both ways. Well, in related news, Chase, uh, the terms of REMAX's $55 million settlement with the plaintiffs in those two buyer commission lawsuits have been made public. Similar to Anywhere's deal, the REMAX agreement stipulates that the firm makes significant changes to what it requires of its agents and its franchisees. Now, understand this has to go through and get court approval, which probably won't happen until early next year. Now, in an emailed statement, a REMAX spokesman wrote that the firm continues to deny the allegations in the Merle and the Sitzer Burnett suits. And like anywhere, REMAX will no longer require agents to be members of the National Association of Realtors or follow NAR's Code of Ethics or the MLS Handbook. I don't know, Chase. It looks to me like certainly the tail wagging the dog here, right? in that you've got these plaintiff attorneys who either got these guys running scared and are pretty much dictating what they want them to do. I don't know that this all makes sense to me. Turns out there's also a third lawsuit now that's kind of popped up, Bruce, that's similar in nature. And Remax's settlement doesn't actually settle it for this third lawsuit. And I can't even find the name of it here at the moment, but it's not surprising. You have Anywhere and Remax settling for millions of dollars like, heck, Sharks with blood in the water. Of course, they want to go and try and get some of that money at the same time. So what's important here, Bruce, to note in this story is that they are denying any of the allegations, right? They're not admitting guilt just because they're settling. And I think it would be hard to admit guilt to something that you didn't do, which is conspire to harm the consumer or require all these things that have somehow harmed the consumer. You know, from the outside looking in, Bruce, it could look like these huge brokerages have all this power in the industry. And yet you and I know that the agent, the individual independent contractor is the one who holds all the power in the industry. If you really, really pay attention. And so to, you know, be blaming these companies for something that is, you know, always negotiated at the local level is a little, little funny to me. And I think that's absolutely right, Chase. I mean, we work in this industry, we have for a long time. And really what Remax is saying, 
we will not require our affiliates to make offers of compensation or accept offers of compensation from cooperating brokers. Well, nobody does make that a requirement. And Remax will continue to encourage agents to be clear that commissions are negotiable. Well, that's what we do, right? Every day. Nick Bailey, he's the president of Remax. He wrote that Remax agents will continue to have the freedom to set and or negotiate commissions as they see fit and that the firm will develop educational materials to reflect these business practices. Again, I think that we've got a lot of grandstanding going on on the part of the attorneys to basically, oh, let's codify what we already do. We always have had this stance that commissions are negotiable. Yep. And it's why, you, as you said earlier, Chase, we're seeing commissions continue to drop down. You know what? This is going to be dragging on for a while. So to our listeners, sorry, we'll be reporting on it. It impacts us, right? I mean, ultimately, if this thing does go the way of the plaintiffs, we'll see some major structural changes in our industry, without a doubt. September job gains came in higher than expected, which, of course, is a blow for the housing industry already grappling with mortgage rates near 8%. In fact, job gains exceeded the average monthly gain of 267000 over the prior months, However, we remained lower than the 399,000 average of 2022. Now, total non-farm payroll employment increased by 336,000 jobs in September, and that was more than in August. And that's according to data released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And this is the largest monthly increase since January of this year. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate was unchanged from July, and that's at 3.8%. And that aligns with the Fed's projection. Now, the number of unemployed persons was also unchanged at 6.4 million. So, Chase, what do you think these numbers are going to mean for us? Well, I think the concern, Bruce, is that these numbers, right, 3.8% unemployment, which is way below what the government would like to see it at in terms of like the speed of the economy, right? So they want it to be between four and six and closer to six, really. And they would have anticipated that some of the policy that they've been, you know, operating on over the last year or so would help with that number. And yet here it is. And so I think the concern, right, is if the labor market's not softening fast enough, that the federal government could continue tightening, increasing the cost of money, which oftentimes is followed by an increase in the mortgage percentage, right? So that's kind of the fear. And we know that the Fed's going to meet again the first week of November to decide whether they're going to change the cost of money upward. And they've got a couple of opportunities to do that. Now, whether they do or not, they've been pretty clear about the fact that they're going to keep rates higher for longer. You know, that's already having an impact on the real estate industry. It's already having an impact on the mortgage industry. If some of the numbers that we'd like to see soften i.e. unemployment, or not, then there's a really good chance they continue bringing those rates up. I think that what you said there, the higher and longer, so whether the Fed actually raises the rate again, which there's a higher likelihood now that they will, but I think that that'll probably cap it off. The truth is, is consumers are also beginning to feel the challenge of higher borrowing costs, right? We know that the federal funds rate impacts credit card rates, car loans, non-real estate consumer lending. And those rates have jumped dramatically, right, with this idea to slow the economy down. And there's always a lag between when that happens and when we see the results show up. So it's starting to appear actually in some of the confidence indices 
that are released each month. In fact, U.S. small business sentiment has declined, home builder confidence has declined, and also consumer confidence has dropped significantly. So when we start to put those on top of everything else, yeah, we're not going to be out of this anytime soon. No, I don't believe that's the case either, Bruce. I think it's while everyone's still kind of keeping their fingers crossed for a quote unquote soft landing, whether that happens or not, it doesn't appear that any sort of landing is going to be in the very near term future, right? We're going to be in this thing for a while. And we know that based on past experience, right? Some of these measures that they're taking, i.e. the cost of money, take a while to show up. And here, that's exactly what the story is saying. Like, Although the economy has slowed in certain areas, there's still full employment, 3.8%. The number's not moving. So it takes a while for these things to work. And then when they do work, it's not always as precise as we kind of wish they were. And that's why there's always a big question mark of whether we'll have a soft landing or a thud. But either way, I think we're going to be heading in that direction. Mortgage Banker Association Senior Vice President and Chief Economist Mike Frattentoni said that uh, September's wage growth would still likely be too fast to be consistent with the Fed's 2% inflation target. And he said this report certainly surprised the market, which had been expecting a slowdown and longer-term rates jumped in response. He said mortgage rates will follow, which will likely mean that lending activity, which was already at a multi-decade low, is not going to pick up anytime soon. So... That's the sentiment in the market. And again, we'll continue to follow this. Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Liz Landry, leader of the KW Talent Community. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.